It takes more than binge-watching software developer conference talks on YouTube to be a great engineer. This is episode 162 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Smith. This week, we're bringing you a rerun of episode 113 from June of 2018. But first, I wanted to just share a little gem. As you may have heard on recent weeks, we have been inviting our Patreon supporters to join us on Slack. And quite a little community has formed, and there is some really good conversation going on there. I encourage you to come and join Patreon and check it out. There is really good advice. Uh, Contrary to what you hear from me and Jameson, there is actually good advice happening on the subject of soft skills in the engineering field from the dozens of of folks who have joined the uh, Slack channel there. So I encourage you to hit us up on softskills.audio, click support us on Patreon, and if you do that now, then you'll get your invite the first week of July. Join us there and um, enjoy this episode 113 from June of last year. It takes more than predicting that 2018 will be the year of the Linux desktop to be a great software engineer. This is episode 113 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about technical fields like software development and also, I don't know, hypothesize about when will finally be the year (laughs) of the Linux desktop. I think 2018 is going to be the year of the Linux server. (laughs) Along with the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I guess technically, yes. Do people even care about that anymore? That was a big deal. People always used to care about like, will this be the year Linux desktop happens? I think uh, I think the only reason you would ask that question now is so that you can signal about how much of a graybeard you are mm. and that you know you've been around for a long time. I Mission accomplished then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I I haven't heard anyone talk about the Linux desktop in years. Maybe because it's happened. It's so ubiquitous. No one even needs to talk about it. Um, Let's get into our first question. Do you want to read it, Dave? Sure. This comes from a listener named Grace who says, I started my first full-time job about two years ago, and I'm starting to think about looking for a new job, both because I'm ready for new challenges and I'm ready to move to a new city. I have a great working relationship with my boss, so a part of me wants to tell her about my interest in finding a new job, both so that I could use her for a reference and also so that I can be honest with her about my intentions. She's been a great boss and mentor to me, so there's a part of me that doesn't want to jeopardize our working relationship. But another part of me feels like I might be jeopardizing my presence in my current office if I make it clear that I'm looking to move on, especially if my job hunt doesn't go as smoothly as I hope. Hmm. The traditional Jameson hmm. Has been hmm. uttered. Yeah. <laughs> That's the preamble. Uh, it's like a header on like an IP datagram or something. No, it's like an HTML header. There's H1, H2, and HMM. <laughs> I'm just imagining this situation where Grace goes into her boss, tells her, hey, I'm looking for a new job. And Grace's boss is is like horrified and betrayed and just like dumbfounded. And how could you do this to me? I, I don't know. I feel like that there, there's some concern here that I don't know would necessarily manifest. Um, Grace talks about jeopardizing their working relationship. Uh, if, if someone told me they wanted to quit, I would be like, well, what happened? Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? How can, if, can I help you stay? But I wouldn't be like, you stabbed me in the back and I'll never speak to you again. You know, like um, I have, I have lots of friends who have quit jobs that we've worked with together and I still talk to them. So I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily, I don't know that it would necessarily jeopardize your relationship. Well, Jameson, 
if everyone had a boss like you, then we wouldn't have to do this show. <laughs> then you would just quit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they're going to be vindictive about you finding a better job, then you probably don't want them as a boss anyway. <laughs> Good point. It says here, Grace is worried about jeopardizing the working relationship. Uh, sounds like, you know, if you quit your job, you're basically ending the working relationship. So. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I, I know what you mean, though. You mean to say that you don't want to have bad feelings between you and your boss, soon to be former boss, uh, for the yeah. long run, right? Yeah, I think that's what Grace means. I have friends who are currently looking for jobs right now and have told their boss and it's just fine. I don't think I've ever done that. I've never said like, hey, I'll stick around and do my work. But by the way, I'm trying to work somewhere else. That's because when you want to look for a new job, you usually surprise yourself and quit your current job. <laughs> like, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. We've talked, we've joked about this a little bit, but you've done that a couple of times, right? I have. And I can't say it won't happen again, ever. <laughs> Maybe it will. I don't. That's the thing. It's a surprise. I didn't know it was going to happen before. I don't know if it's going to happen again. <laughs> that is just a token of how hot the software development industry is right now. You can you quit mean your job. How talented I am! Oh, Dave. Right. come on! <laughs> right, right. Uh, only the best of the best engineers can quit their job without any prospects and be fine. <laughs> It's a, it's a mark of my skills that I have poor planning. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to Grace. Yeah. So I have friends that do this to no harm. I, maybe I just don't hear about the ones where it goes horribly wrong, where they tell their boss and then their <laughs> boss chews them out and fires them on the spot. Oh. I mean, I could see it being like you get the crappy work because you're leaving anyways or I don't know. You're like, hey, I, I want to I wanna quit my job and I'm wondering if I can use you as a reference. Not only do you not get a reference from me, you're fired immediately. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. That seems either. that seems a little far-fetched, especially uh, Grace talks about this great relationship they have. And if if you really have a great relationship, then quitting your job is not going to torpedo that. I also think it's not dishonest to not tell your boss about looking for a new job if you feel trepidation about it. Like, you're not... You're not lying to them or betraying them in some way. You don't have to tell them that you're looking for a new job. If you want to use them as a reference, then that's different. But it, you, you don't necessarily owe it to them. Yeah. I, as a manager, would hope that I have a relationship with the people I work with where they would feel comfortable saying like, hey, I'm unhappy here. But I don't think they have to tell me that if they up and quit I think that means I probably did something wrong to make it so they didn't trust me enough to say that. But it's not like, I wouldn't be like, how do I explain it? Are you saying you I would, would feel like yourself, not the employee? Yeah, I feel like I would feel like I had failed in some way, not that they had broken the code of ethics where you have to tell your manager. I, I think it's very unusual to tell your manager that you're looking for a new job. Um, in all the jobs I've quit, I've never told my manager that I was on the job hunt until after I got my new job. Yeah, I guess it, the, the tricky part is the references thing, right? If you've worked a couple jobs, you have people who you're not currently quitting yeah. <laughs> that you can use as references. <laughs> That's why you need to just get through this phase as quick as possible so you're bootstrapped for your next job. Yeah. <laughs> so quit politely, 
stay at your next job for two weeks and then use <laughs> your previous manager. Is that what you're suggesting? Yes. Every even numbered job is just a springboard for the next one. <laughs> See if you can get a reference without having your manager know it's for a new job. Say you're presenting at like a science fair or something. Or like a, scho- I don't know, a you're scholarship to, program or something. Yeah, you're trying to join an exclusive new social network. <laughs> that requires a letter of recommendation. This other company. It's called Google. <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> that is a funny idea. Or you could pull the old, uh, if you're just looking for a signature on a letter of recommendation that you write, you could just craft, <laughs> craft the I letter. I need you to sign these 400 forms. <laughs> just... You slip it in at number 277. Oh, man. Oh, you could you could say that it's a letter of reference for a new apartment or something. You know, like... <laughs> oh man yeah i like how we went from like you don't need to tell your boss to you should probably lie to your (laughs) boss (laughs) don't lie i think okay here's what i would do i would try and get a reference from a trusted coworker if i needed one ahead of time and i didn't want to jeopardize my current relationship especially if if you're not sure that the whole get a new job thing is going to work out, I could see that being a little tricky where like you say I'm quitting or I'm looking for a new job. I need a referral and then they give it to you because they're they're nice and then you just stay there. And, and then there's this always this feeling of like, well, are you going to quit now? What about now? What about mm-hmm. now? Um, so so I think I would just try and get it from a coworker that might carry less weight than from your boss. Yeah, but I think most companies don't expect you to get a letter of reference from your current boss when they're interviewing yeah. you. So they know the best they're going to get is either a former manager or a current coworker. You could also approach it as, uh, I'm ready to move to a new city. Yes. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good reason to quit that doesn't involve like, you are a bad boss, I'm mm-hmm. unhappy here. And, and I think that's a pretty strong... I don't know. That's a pretty easy conversation to have, right? Like, oh, yeah. I really want to move to, I don't know, Silicon Valley or wherever you want to go. Um, maybe you're already there and you want to move somewhere where you can afford to live. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be offended if, if, if a report said, like, I want to move and I can't move with this job. So I would like to get a different job. I feel like I would want to help them and help them be happy. And, and yeah. also, it'd be nice to have a little more notice, too, of like, Hey, they're they're getting ready to leave, so we can wrap their projects up. We can start hiring a new person, and it's it's not like there's this problem I need to solve with the team, or they're going to quit. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like that's not the case here anyway, which is great. It's so much easier yep. if you have some kind of external factor that's driving you to a new location. Like I'm getting married and moving to where my spouse will live, or I'm you know uh, looking. I've I need to move back to be closer to my family or friends or whatever. Like. This is great, and this is something that you. Could I've just partner. always wondered what Alaska is like in those four <laughs> months of no sun, and I've got to find out. Yeah, and I mean, these are this is like something that you and your boss can partner on, as opposed to being an adversarial yeah, yeah. situation. So I would definitely go for that angle if you've got it, and even if you don't have it, you could back to the lying. <laughs> you, could, <laughs> you could just make it up, like I'm ready to move to a new desk location in a company down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Grace specifically says looking to move to a new city, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that works. 
Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's like a Minneapolis St. Paul situation where the next city is actually like 20 <laughs> minutes away. They're twin cities. Ah, I've spent so much time in Minneapolis. I just really want to see the world in St. Paul. St. <laughs> Paul is fantastic. I just and feel also Minneapolis is fantastic. I just feel like I've only seen one third of the Tri City area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, the other thing I would say is that after two years, if you're a software engineer, this is a great time to quit your first job. Oh, yeah, yeah. First job, tenure, two years is is pretty normal. It's normal. And it's important, I think, for you to get a little bit broader exposure to uh, other companies and other dynamics, other technologies. This will help jumpstart your career, definitely, both financially and from the perspective of gaining a more breadth of experience. It's a bummer that that's true, but it just kind of is. It's just a lot harder to stay at one company. Unless unless you pick just the right first company, it's hard to grow your career by staying at one company, by staying at your first company for a long time. True. I, but, you know, you say it's a bummer, but I actually kind of like that our industry is like this because it means that you get to get exposed to completely new ways of thinking and doing. You know, if you stay at the same company for your whole career, there are certain areas the, of things, of ways of doing things that you will never be exposed to. That's what I tell my daughter. That's why we're going to trade her in for a different child. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been a parent to you and I need like new experiences. <laughs> well, you see, I, I quit jobs often so that I don't have to do that with my children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Have we answered the question? Yeah, I think so. Sounds like you're okay. in a great situation. Yeah, good luck, Grace. I hope it works out. I I should read the next one because you read the last one. I agree. I'll do it. <laughs> this is from an anonymous <laughs> listener. How do you deal effectively with rapidly increasing work responsibilities? My technical lead was recently promoted to management. Being both ambitious and the only senior engineer without retirement plans in the next four months, I immediately <laughs> stepped into the power vacuum and inverted a binary tree faster than all my coworkers to establish my position as the new tech lead. <laughs> After a few months, the other senior engineer on my team retired, and I've ended up holding the bag for my new job responsibilities, my old responsibilities as a senior engineer, and the departed senior engineer's responsibilities. That's a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, I I can't handle any responsibility, let alone like that. Let me count them. That's three responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> I told my manager how much was on my plate and that I was afraid my work output would suffer. And her response was to throw money hand over fist at me and promise to backfill both senior positions within the next 12 months. How do I get through the next 18 months without losing all my hair? Are there any strategies to make sure the team doesn't go up in flames when I forget about a key deadline? Or at least position myself so that nobody can tell it's my fault until I can make a subtle getaway in the brand new Ferrari I'm going to buy? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you be subtle, man? Pedal to the metal, tires squealing, smoke flying. It probably has stealth technology. In oh. It. <laughs> it's like slate black camo. I don't know, noise dampening. <laughs> the tires squeal, but at the same time, you can't hear them <laughs> because it plays like, it's like noise no canceling <laughs> headphones for your tires. Squeal canceling tires. <laughs> oh, I heard, I don't know if this is true. I'm not really a car guy. I heard that some cars play engine noises on speakers. Oh my gosh. Like some luxury cars play loud, impressive engine noises to make your luxury car sound even more luxurious. Oh man. Because it's an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> it would be cool if you could customize that oh it'd be so cool imagine if you could play like circus music on your car speakers when you rev the engine or something <laughs>
That's what I want to hear when you're like revving next to me at the stoplight. <laughs> Bunch of clowns pile out of the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> the it is a small trunk, so it only holds 14 clowns. <laughs> These Ferraris, they don't have the trunk space. No, no. It's not like they're Teslas. <laughs> oh boy. So, how do you deal with this situation where you stepped into a power vacuum and then realized that life was actually a little more comfortable in 1G? Or not 1G, uh, one atmospheric pressure instead of zero. <laughs> hmm. Um, have you tried just doing all of it really well <laughs> at the same time? Have you tried multitasking? You just, here's what, I mean, computers switch rapidly back and forth between different tasks. And, mm -hmm. and then it looks like they're doing them all at the same time. Have you tried doing that? <laughs> Type a character on an email. Write a single point on a whiteboard. Switch over to your editor. Hold down shift because you need to type a parenthesis. Oh, switch back to your email. <laughs> Restore That's your keyboard state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then run to a meeting. Uh, but you only go to the first five seconds of the meeting. <laughs> pop out. Type another character in your editor. Pop back in. That's tongue-in-cheek because i feel like that is what a lot of people do when they have too many things to do is they just do them all poorly <laughs> by switching back and forth between them that's definitely what i do when i'm not being mindful i'm i'm in a little bit of a different state but i don't know i think i think this situation is familiar to a lot of people where you just have a lot of responsibilities a lot of different hats there's a lot of different things you need to get done all at once and my dumb brain is like well the best way to do them is to do them all at once <laughs> and and then it sucks my, my brain says, do whatever thing shows up in your inbox at the top right now. Yeah, exactly. Someone tapped you on the shoulder. That's the most important thing you can possibly <laughs> be doing right now. Oh, I feel the same way. There's a Slack message. Drop everything. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. <laughs> oh, uh, man. It, it took me like three months to finally turn off the little number over outlook telling me how many emails i have and it takes me longer to get to email but boy do i get so much more done <laughs> oh man i should do that i've done that on my phone and it's been marvelous i need to do that yeah i there are no numbers allowed on my phone i have banished all those i mean i guess we're we're getting into it but multitasking is bad and anything you can do to have periods of focus on important things would probably help you one, one trap that I have fallen into in this situation is like, I know how to program and some of the stuff that needs to get done is programming and it's comfortable. So I'll hide away from my other responsibilities and write some code because I feel really productive. And then like everything else, the fire grows a little <laughs> higher mm -hmm. <laughs> on all the other stuff. So what Dave joked about earlier, like there are important things and there are urgent things and they're also kind of comfortable things. And you want to make sure you're working on the important things, not the comfortable or urgent things. Yes. I think one thing to acknowledge when you're in a situation like this is that your time is an unscalable resource. It has no horizontal scaling ability whatsoever. And on top of that, the more interruptions that cut into your time that make you context switch, the less efficient your time will be used because of the context switching. So mm -hmm. when you get presented with a task, 
you know, I would probably set aside a few weeks to dedicate to this mindset, but anytime you get presented with a task, instead of jumping into the task, first step back and ask yourself this question, can I train someone else to do this? And if the answer is yes, then dedicate time to do that. Now this will make you super inefficient for the first little while, um, but as with all scaling techniques, it will yield massive efficiency gains and allow you uh, to effectively scale to handle much, much more than you can handle today. Yeah. I'm thinking about the the tech lead comments. Part of the role of tech lead for me is thinking about larger architectural, longer term things. And these things all require a little bit more deep thought and kind of pondering. And I personally cannot do any of that when I'm pulled in too many different directions. I, I just can't focus on like, what should we move our architecture to long term? if I have like a hundred different messages popping up and, and pinging me all at the same time. So I think it's even, you will get more done for sure if you focus on, on scaling yourself out. But you also, there's like a discontinuity where you there are things you just won't be able to do unless you figure out how to, how to focus a little bit more. You yes. just like won't do that kind of work because you won't be able to focus for long periods of time on it. That's right. You will only do the things that you can get done in a short amount of time, which means you will only do things that ultimately give you low satisfaction levels and have low impact. Yeah. And then yeah. that's what burnout is made of, in my opinion. Oh, man, that's so wise, Dave. I wish I actually did that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what you do. You start a podcast you get people to ask you questions about this. You think and you give what you hope is sage advice. And then you realize like, oh, I should do that thing I told someone else to do. <laughs> <laughs> you have had money thrown at you. Have you tried just throwing money at other people? <laughs> Transitive maybe property you have, of money. Yeah, maybe you have a customer who's really upset that you're not focusing on their bug. And you can just say like, here's a dollar. <laughs> treat yourself to something nice here's a restaurant gift card take yourself yeah. out to lunch today here's yeah <laughs> how do you feel about itunes oh you got five dollars whatever you want on there <laughs> might i recommend four songs because taxes mean you can't <laughs> buy five <laughs> oh my gosh that's such a good idea it's like someone sends you an email and it, it means you're going to have to do something. You just send them back five bucks. I and will say, pay you $2 to not send me this email. I'll pay you two bucks if you wait a week and send it to me next week instead. <laughs> oh I think gosh. we have the beginnings of a productivity cult on our hands. <laughs> it's time to throw away getting things done. It's now all about paying off people that ask you to do oh, stuff. Oh, but see, you know, as a capitalist, you could make a lot of money with this scheme too because you could just start loading people up with action items and then they would just pay you to go away. Yeah, that's true. It would encourage, I mean, if it spread, I think it would destroy the earth. <laughs> it's like this but exponential. But at least you'll get rich. <laughs> you'll die with lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, hmm. man. Part of me wants to say like, oh, I'm always too busy at every job. But when I look back, there are definitely times when I am more always too busy than other times. And I don't <laughs> I don't know that I feel like I solved it at any of those times. I mean, I, I would try and focus 
try and do important things. And then every time I try and focus, something else important comes up and interrupts me, especially in, in like a manager position or a team lead position. Part of your job is to be a little bit interruptible so your team can focus. I don't know. Have you tried just not doing all of it at the same time? Oh, gosh, right? like, no. I, I don't know. There's something about me that just want, I'm such a people pleaser. I know you and I have this in common. But when yeah. someone sends me an email or a Slack message or whatever, I just feel so compelled to respond as quickly as possible. I can't think about anything else until I get the answer, even just to tell them I got your message and I'm going to get back to you later. And and frankly, even though this destroys my productivity, it does give me one advantage, which is that people trust me and they know that I will communicate quickly and efficiently with them. And so... Uh, but you, you just won't get the thing done that you said you'd get done. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, I, I mean, I communicate a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I commit a lot. So I, okay. I, I am not totally dumb about overcommitting myself. So they, they myself. have not picked up on it. They're like, that Dave, he's a go-getter. Every time I talk to him, wait a minute. <laughs> Shh, don't tell. <laughs> I think what it ends up being is I only do the things that are expedient for others. And instead of sitting down and really having deep work uh, that will ultimately make a long-term benefit. And so, you know, people like working with me for that reason. You know, I'm, I'm responsive <laughs> and fast. And, but I just, yeah. I just don't like myself very much because I tend not to focus on the things that I want to do. I focus on the things that others want me to do. And yeah, I don't know. This is just hard. <laughs> it is hard. If you can develop... Um, some kind of like anxiety that, that's what I do to that's that's the main check on people pleasing is like when I say yes to too many things this black specter over my shoulder arises and holds a big sword over my head and is like if you say yes to one more thing I'm gonna drop the sword <laughs> on your head and then I then I get too freaked out and I start saying no again but but then the no also has a specter that says you've said no to a lot of people and I'm holding yeah, a sword but over the, your head the, too but then the anxiety specter is like I will destroy you, you stupid no specter. <laughs> I'll destroy everything. I'm like, okay, I'll say no. <laughs> uh, I think saying no is a thing here that, that you need to figure out. E even if you are working extra hours, that time doesn't scale. Your output won't necessarily scale linearly with the extra amount of time you're putting in. So you do need to figure out some amount of focus of like, maybe, maybe you divide it up by days and today's my senior engineer day and today's my other person senior engineer day and today's my tech lead day maybe you just say um all these things that i would have done as a senior engineer i have to drop these just because i i just can't do all these and all these other important things and all these tech lead things mm -hmm. but i i think focus is a, a key here the, the good news is that uh your boss has committed to resolving this solution or this sorry resolving this problem within the next 12 months so you know you could say to yourself i'm just going to double down and work a lot of extra time. I'm going to earn this extra money I've been thrown and uh, I'm going to be a little burned out, but it's temporary, you know? And and of course, these kinds of situations tend to, to drag on, especially if you're doing That's a good job. That's why I like why the question asker put, uh, the boss will fill the positions in 12 months. The question asker put, how do I get through the next 18 months? Like, <laughs> like you already think, knew. I think they know. <laughs> this is never going to happen. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. really hilarious. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like they knew. Dave, we get asked for estimates, and then the people that ask us are always like, ah, we'll just double it because those programmers, they're doing the opposite with the manager estimates, right? Like, 
six months you'll have a new teammate and and the people that depend on the manager estimates are like oh those managers their <laughs> estimates are always off there's a there's a corollary here i've unlocked another new management philosophy <laughs> i'll be right back i have to write two books or actually in the spirit of this question i have to pay someone else to ghost write two books for me <laughs> so true I was going to say a smart thing before I got distracted by my <laughs> dumb ideas. <laughs> what were you talking about? The backfilling thing? Uh, yeah, I was saying that next 12 months are going to... So just double down and and uh, work hard, earn your money. Yeah, the, the danger here is that burnout will actually strike and sometimes burnout takes a while to recover. True. And if it makes you quit and not have a job for a year, then it probably actually didn't make you any money to work extra hard. That's true. For this year. So, I don't know. I don't know what you'd need the money for, or what you're going to do with it, or what your situation is. But if, if you're working as an engineer, you probably make pretty decent money. And trading away, I, I don't know that it's a great long-term trade to just say, I'll just crunch really hard for this period of time, and mm-hmm. then it'll relax later. Yeah, you're probably right. Plus, crunching really hard But means- I don't have a Ferrari, so, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That could change everything. Maybe this is just bias of me trying to justify my lack of Ferrari. (laughs) I wouldn't even want one. It it wouldn't be fun. But if you had one, you might change your mind about that. (laughs) One of the specific questions that they ask here is, uh, are there any strategies to make sure the team doesn't go up in flames when I forget about a key deadline? And I do think that's a big risk, especially if you take my stupid advice and just double down and really lean into these responsibilities. Now the chances of ha- having some issues slip through the cracks that causes a major problem goes up, in my opinion. You know, you're doing you're doing more things, and when you do more things, if you have like a 10% error rate, then the chances that one of those things, you know, or sorry, the total number of errors is going to go up. So if one yeah. of those errors happens to be a key deadline or, or something that has a high impact, then this is going to happen. So I think what you're going to have to get good at is categorizing the things you work on as high-impact critical versus low impact and really making sure that you set aside the right amount of time for the high impact stuff, such as schedules, dependencies, uh, managing deadlines. I mean, that stuff is super important. And if you make a big mistake here and, and it, if, sorry, if there's a situation where a mistake would lead to like a compounding effect that would cause the team to go up in flames, then you need to make darn sure those things have all the brain power and mechanisms in place to prevent you from you know, to prevent a manual error from causing them to to occur. So in other words, um, I think you need backup people here to check your work on things like this. I think you need like a recurring automated meeting or schedule of some kind to make sure that the most critical elements of your team are being reviewed regularly by not just you. And I think if you put in place these kinds of mechanisms, you can probably mitigate a lot of the highest risk stuff. Yeah, I really like that. It's it's about being deliberate about the places where you're going to focus because you you recognize you've spread yourself a little too thin. It it kind of reminds me of what you were saying earlier too about training up the team. That you can you can just explain the situation to the team too, right? Like, hey, I'm doing three jobs right now. I'm going to mess up. I need to lean on you. You might do things you're not very comfortable with. You might see me do dumb things. Like, please call that out. Your, your team can help you with this and it's it's it could be a chance for them to step up and take on a little bit more responsibility as well 
I love that. I think that's great. Well, have we answered the question? More or less. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, I checked a few emails and responded to some Slack messages during this one, so, you know. <laughs> just, just trying to stay on top <laughs> of my I wasn't listening, but I think you answered it. Like <laughs> uh, send me a picture of your Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, sending those questions in. Dave, what should people do if they want to send their own questions in? Go to softskills.audio and click ask a question. Fill out the form. Thank you so much to everyone who has asked questions. We've had so many. Uh, what can people do to support the show, Jameson? They can click the support us on Patreon button. Donate to the show. Your donations go towards editing and hosting and uh, design. And then all the leftovers buys Dave and I several ice cream cones. <laughs> <laughs> They're Ferrari branded ice cream cones. Yeah. <laughs> Luxury ice cream cones. Don't, don't get mistaken. We will catch you next week. See ya.